Today we're starting a brand new series. The series is titled, The Thrill of Hope. The Thrill of Hope. There are a lot of things that happen around Christmas time. One is that uh, there's going to be a lot of shopping. There's going to be a lot of eating. Hallmark Movies is going to be going crazy with Christmas movies. So Hallmark, Hallmark Channel with Christmas movies. And we're going to have a Christmas sermon series. And I'm excited to be able to start this Christmas sermon series today. I like to watch sports every once in a while. I don't watch, watch sports on TV as much as I used to. But every once in a while, I like to watch a good game. And one of the things that I love in sports is comebacks. I love it when my favorite team comes from behind and they win the game in a dramatic fashion. And things are tense at the end and they end up pulling it out. Now, I also like it when they win from you know, beginning of the game to the end. They're always ahead. I mean, that's actually kind of better. But I, I do like the comeback stories when, when they pull it out at the end. I love comeback stories and I love turnaround stories. One of my favorite TV shows, it's, it's not, they're not making any new episodes now, but, uh, it's still on TV from time to time, from time to time, and that is a show called Restaurant Impossible. And I like Restaurant Impossible. How many of you have seen that before? Have you seen that? I like that on the Food Network. The only time I ever watched Food Network. Because, uh, there is a chef by the name of Robert who is given $10,000 and two days to turn a restaurant around. A restaurant that's really, it's failing in every, every way. And he has two days to do it. He's got that amount of money to do it. $10,000. And the show always starts by revealing all the, the things that are wrong with a restaurant. From the very beginning, you, they show you what's really bad and wrong. And you're going like, that, I would never eat there. So they really build it up. And then they create a lot of tension during the, the hour. But at the end, the restaurant is turned around in a very dramatic fashion, and uh, it's and it's it's a good show. I mean, I like it. I, I like turnaround stories. I like I like comeback stories, and I think we're all that way to a certain extent. We love a turnaround story because we want to believe that our own lives can can also be turned around if we find ourselves in the middle of some difficult something difficult. If we find ourselves in the middle of a difficult period of life or a painful episode, we'd like to think that things aren't going to stay bad, that things will turn around for us. And that's why I'm excited to start this new series today titled The Thrill of Hope. The Thrill of Hope. And you might already know that the title for this series is taken from the lyrics of what is one of my favorite Christmas songs, O Holy Night. And the, the title comes from the line that says, The Thrill of Hope. The weary world rejoices, for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. So when I was thinking about a title for this a few weeks ago, I had a couple ideas in mind, and I, I ran them by my wife, and she immediately said, oh, I like the thrill of hope, which is what I was leaning toward. And uh, I think it's a good title because uh, I think the idea of, of hope is very needed Today. It's very necessary because how many of you know that we live, as the lyrics to the song say, we live in a weary world? Now, maybe specifically, you live in a weary world. Maybe you feel like there's darkness all around you. Maybe you feel like there's sadness 
all around you. You can't get out of the darkness. You can't get out of the, the sadness. Well, I want to let you know that there is a new and glorious morning coming for you. That is what the thrill of hope is all about. You know, when, when my kids were, were growing up and started going to college and, and you know, they, they became young adults, they started to face some challenges in their lives. And all, all four of them went through some really difficult times, really difficult days at different times of their lives. But I tried to, to let them know that whatever they were going through wasn't going to last. It didn't have to last. I tried very hard to give them hope by reminding them that better days were ahead. I specifically remember, like I said, all four of them went through through stuff because of this thing called life that happens. And you grow up and you realize, whoa, this you know, life is hard, right? Life is hard. I specifically remember telling Josiah one time, you know, Joey, you're not always going to be a poor struggling student. You're not always going to be struggling the way you are right now. Uh, one day soon, I told him, God is going to give you a good job if you just persevere. God's going to give you a good job. It'll allow you to, to make a living. Uh, things will get better. I told them, you will smile again. You will laugh again. And I realize now that I should have told them, one day God will give you a good job in Texas. I wish I had said that, but I didn't. But, uh, but God, God has answered his prayer and our prayer because we all need that. We, you know, we all face days that we, we feel like giving up. We all feel, we all face days that it's not hope that we feel, it's despair. We feel desperate to get out of our situation. And we need this thrill of hope. Because many times, hope is really the only thing that keeps us going when life gets hard. In fact, when we lose hope, we lose a lot. Because without hope, there's no momentum to get going in our lives. Without hope, there's no joy to get up in the morning and to smile and think, okay, this is going to be a good day. Without hope, there's no peace. There's only despair. When people lose hope, they give up. There are people who despair of life. There are people who have lost hope in life and have even taken their own lives. That's not what God wants for us. That's not what God wants for you. This is, what I've, this is why I feel like one of my missions is to let people know, look, there's hope. And to help people maintain the hope in their lives. And what I pray for many people, what I pray for many of you, is Lord, don't let them lose their hope in you. Don't let them lose their hope. I prayed that for my kids when they were going. And even now when they go through struggles, uh, I'll pray, Lord, don't let them lose hope. Don't let, don't let him lose hope. Don't let this couple lose hope in their marriage. Don't let this person lose hope that she will be healed of her pain. Don't let this, this man lose hope that you will open a door for him. Because when we lose hope, we lose a lot. So one of my objectives through this series is to encourage you not to lose hope and not to give up. And the best way that I know to do this is to look at Scripture. There are many scriptures, there are different characters in the Bible that we're going to look at in this series, this three-part series, that uh, speak to us about hope. But we're going to start today with the, the book of Isaiah and look at the nation of Israel. The book of Isaiah, chapter 9, beginning with verse 1. 
verses 1 and 2, and then verse 6. So if you've got that, uh, follow along as I read. Isaiah 9, 1 reads like this. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future, see, because the future doesn't have to be the same as the past. That's why he said in the past this happened, but in the future, he will honor Galilee of the nations. In the past, God humbled the people of Israel, but in the future, he's going to honor them. He will honor Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. Now look at verse 2. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, deep darkness, a light has dawned. So first he says darkness, then he says deep darkness. He's describing what a lot of people go through. Then he, jump to verse 6, he says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Now there's a lot there in, in that passage that speaks to us, and I, I want to see if I can draw that out for us this morning. But first, a little background, because when, when he starts off the beginning of this chapter with the word nevertheless, that means there's something important he just said in the previous chapter. And, and, and so, so a little bit of background, in the year 734 B.C., the nation of Assyria invaded Israel. Israel was divided in, uh, between the, the northern kingdom, Israel, and the southern kingdom was Judah. Well, they invaded the northern kingdom, Israel, and they conquered several cities. We read about this in the uh, Second Kings, book of Second Kings. As a result, many people were taken captive from their homeland in Israel to Assyria, and Israel became a slave state. A slave state. So, this was obviously very difficult for them. It produced a crisis of faith for them in which they suddenly began to think, God has forgotten us. God has abandoned us. They, they felt that God had forsaken them. And the Bible describes this as a time of gloom, anguish, and contempt. Those are the words. Gloom, anguish, and contempt. So this was not an easy time for them. This was a very difficult time for them. I mean, if your life is being described as gloomy, if, if, you're, uh, if, if your life is being described as being in anguish, then, I mean, it's serious. This is serious. And so during this crisis in their lives, many Israelites came to doubt God, to doubt His goodness, to doubt His ability to intervene, His ability to do anything, His willingness to, to, to intervene and to save them. So it was a very dark time. This is truly a, a deep darkness they were going through. But chapter 9, verse 1, begins with the thrilling hope of a turnaround for this nation. Because it says, Nevertheless, nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who are in distress. Right? Because that's what they were going through. They were going through gloom and distress their, uh, their experience uh, of being taken as captives, as, as slaves, had produced a darkness of the soul. How many of you know what a darkness of the soul is? How many of you have been there, have experienced a darkness of the soul? This is what verse 2 tells us. The people walking in darkness. 
on those living in the land of the shadow of death or, or those living in the land of deep darkness. They were walking in darkness. They were walking in the shadow of death. And some of you know what that feels like. You understand walking in darkness. You get, you relate that. You get that. Living in the land of the shadow of death. I mean, you, you understand because you've experienced this darkness of the soul. In fact, you might be there right now. Where the world around you laughs and you can't. Or if you do laugh, it's a fake laugh because of the deep pain you're going through. Because of the darkness of the soul. There's a cloud over you that, that just seems to follow you everywhere you go. You want to look ahead to the future with hope. You want to laugh. You want to smile. But you can't because of the darkness of the soul. If that's you today, I do have some good news for you. And the good news is that the, the light that is spoken about in verse 2 is Jesus himself. In verse 2, where we read the people in darkness, walking in darkness, have seen a great light. That's Jesus. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. He's talking about Jesus. Because Jesus himself brings light to the darkest of souls. To the darkest of situations. He overcomes the darkest of shadows with his own presence. So here's, here's what I know from this passage. Three things from this passage. First of all. Your darkness, whatever it might be, whatever you're going through, your darkness is not permanent. The devil would love for you to think it's permanent. That's why some people make a, a, a decision out of desperation that ends up hurting them. And like I said, sometimes even taking their own lives because they feel like there is no way out of their situation. And it is, I mean, I understand it's easy to lose hope if we believe that the painful and the dark time that we're going through will never end. Once we believe that, then we lose hope. But the reality is that your situation is not permanent because just like the Israelites, you serve a God who has not abandoned you and will not abandon you. The Bible says this in Psalm 35, 30 verse 5. The Bible says that weeping may remain for the night, but joy comes in the morning. So you might be going through the night right now. But there is a morning coming. There is a, a glorious morn coming. So weeping may remain for the night. You might, this might be your period of weeping. But joy comes in the morning. Yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. So verse 1 tells us that because Jesus came into this world. There is therefore a nevertheless for you today. There is a nevertheless. The beginning of, of this chapter says, Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. So what I'm telling you today is that there is a nevertheless for you. In the midst of your pain, in the midst of the darkness of your soul, in the midst of the trial you're going through, don't forget there is a nevertheless for you. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom. Nevertheless, there will be no more darkness. Nevertheless, there will be no more distress because your turnaround is coming. 
through Jesus. The impossible is about to become possible. Remind yourself of that. Hold on to your nevertheless in the midst of your pain. In the midst of the fog that you might be going through. Hold on to your nevertheless. Don't lose hope. You may not be able to imagine how your situation is going to turn around. You may not be able to understand or imagine how it's going to happen. You don't have to imagine that. That's God's job. You just ask God for hope. You ask God for joy. The morning is coming when you will smile again. You will shout. You will rejoice. I believe that your breakthrough is near. Hold on to your nevertheless. So your darkness is not permanent. The second thing that I know from this passage of Scripture is that Jesus came for you. He came to be a light in your darkness. He came for you. Verse 6 says, For to us a child is born. To us a son is given. So who is, the, who is this child born for? He was born for us. Who is the son given to? He is given to us. That's huge. That's important. Now I know that this is the time of year when we, when we say, and, and rightly so, we say that Jesus is a reason for the season. And He is. That's a great reminder not to get all caught up in the festivities and, and in the shopping and in the parties and forget that it's all about Jesus. We're celebrating His coming to earth. Jesus is a reason for the season. On the other hand, what Isaiah is telling us here is that we're the reason for the season. Not because we're like Jesus or because it's all about us. Everybody get me the gifts that I want. That's not it at all. But he's saying, look, you're the reason there's even a season of Christmas because Jesus came for you. He came for you. You and I are the reason that we celebrate Christmas because he was born for us. Unto us, a child is born. Unto us, a son is given. Some of you that are my age or on my age might remember a singer back in the, I guess... It was uh, 80s. His name was David Meese. And he wrote a song. Uh, he wrote the, the song that had the following lyrics. He said, we were the reason. We were the reason that he gave his life. We were the reason that he suffered and died. To a world that was lost, he gave all he could give to show us the reason to live. We were the reason. We're the reason for Christmas. If Jesus hadn't loved us, he wouldn't have come to earth. And we wouldn't be celebrating Christmas. Now, you have to understand this message in its context. Okay, don't go and, and put it on Facebook. I'm the reason for the season. That's, you know, people won't understand that. We should say Jesus is the reason for the season. He is. But understand the context. The reason that Jesus came was because he came for you. He came for me. In fact, wasn't that the message that the angels gave to the shepherds? When they announced the birth of Jesus. In Luke 2.11 we read that the angels said this to the shepherds. For there is born to you this day. That's what they said. There is born to you this day. In the city of David. A savior. A savior who is Christ the Lord. So he was born for you. He was born for us. So. That raises the question then. If he was born for us. What was he born to do for us? Was he born to make our lives as convenient as possible? No, not really. 
Was he born to make us financially secure and to make us prosperous? No, that's not what the Bible teaches. Was he born to make sure that we would have a great Christmas every year with lots of presents and lots of family time and lots of food? Is that why he was born? Not exactly. The message of the angels, remember the message of the angels to the shepherds was that a Savior had been born. He was born for you to be your Savior. He was born for me to be my Savior. He came to save us from our sins. He was born for us to save us. And what that means is that He calls us to repent of our sins. He calls us to acknowledge that we've tried to live without Him. We've tried to live as if God doesn't exist until we have a problem. And then we suddenly decide we're going to call on Him. And we've managed to paint ourselves into a corner. This corner called the darkness of the soul. We've managed to do that. And we need a Savior. We need someone to come and turn our lives around. You see, the nation of Israel... I gave you the background how the the Assyrians had invaded Israel and they took many of them as slaves. And the reason this happened, the reason they were walking in darkness was because of their sin. God allowed this because of their sin. God had been patient with them, but they continued to walk away from him. They continued from him. They continued to worship other gods. And we know that's a case for us as well. A lot of the pain, not always, not always, but a lot of the pain that we go through is self-inflicted. A lot of times the darkness we go through is because of bad choices we've made. We inflict our own pain. Does that mean that God will say, well, I would help you, but you got yourself into that situation. I can't help you. No, God doesn't say that. He still still wants to be the light in our darkness, even when it's self-inflicted pain. But what we need is a savior. Because, like I said, we're going through problems because of our own sin. It could be because of the sin of people around us who have hurt us. Let's face it, a lot of times our our darkness is not self-inflicted. Our pain is not self-inflicted. It's somebody hurt us. There's evil in this world. And there are people uh, who get hurt by others. And, And that could be the case as well. But the point is that we all need a Savior who can take care of our sin problem. And that's why Jesus came. He came to turn our lives around when we repent of our sin, when we look to Him, when we call on Him. He will make us victorious over sin. So, your situation, your darkness is not permanent. Jesus came for you. And finally, here's what else I know. I know that Jesus is all you need. He is more than enough for your life. He is more than sufficient for your life. This is what verse 6 tells us. Verse 6 tells us the second part, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. Everything you need for your life is contained right there. Everything you need to turn your life around is contained in those names of Jesus. In these expressions and titles of Jesus. Isaiah says he's he's a wonderful counselor. The wonderful counselor. You know, I'm in favor of people going to see a counselor when they need 
some help in their lives, going to see a licensed counselor who's, who's trained to help them to see things and help them sort through thoughts and, and situations. And sometimes we need that. It just makes sense to me. You know, if, if, if I break my arm, then I'm going to go see a doctor and tell him, hey, would you fix my arm? And, and, you know, maybe if you're mentally, emotionally, you're not processing things enough, then it makes sense to go see somebody who can help you. And that's good. That's all fine. But there is a greater counselor. There is a wonderful counselor. And his name is Jesus. Because that title expresses the amazing wisdom of Jesus that we can't even imagine. A wisdom that he uses to guide us, to direct us, to clear our minds when our minds are foggy. So maybe you're just having a hard time getting out of bed and thinking straight. You need the power of the wonderful counselor who is Jesus in your life. He is also called mighty God. Mighty God is a reference to God as a, as a warrior, powerful God as a, as a warrior. And this title refers to the power of God and the fullness of God with which he defends us. Look, we live in a, in a, in an evil world, right? We live in a, in, in a world in which the, the spirit world, and we went through a series on this earlier this year. There's a spirit world out there that is very real. And things that happen in the spirit world affect us here in, in our physical world, in the physical realm. That's a real thing. There's a, there's a spiritual realm and things going on up there that affect what happens to us here. This is why we need God to protect us. We need more than man-made strength and power, more than man-made wisdom. We need the power and the fullness of God to defend us and to protect us as his children. And then he's the everlasting father. Jesus loves us and he cares for us with the intense love of a parent. And those of you who are parents know exactly what I'm talking about. You know the intense love that you have for your children. It's a love unlike any, anything else. You know, your children are loved by many. Their, their teachers might love them. Oh, he's so cute. I just love her. You know, people, at, your friends at church might love them, but no one's going to love them like you, the, the parent, like the father, like the mother. And this is a kind of, uh, of savior that we have. Jesus has a love like an everlasting father, like an eternal father who will never abandon us. I'm always heartbroken when I hear stories. People say, yeah, my, my dad left us when I was just little. I never knew my dad. Or some of them might say, well, I remember my dad, but he, he walked away. He abandoned us. Let me tell you, this is an everlasting father. He will always be there for you. He'll never abandon you. And then finally, uh, Isaiah calls him the prince of peace. Because Jesus brings peace in our times of pain. So that we're always refreshed by him. Now, we're going to face struggles. That's just life. But... In the midst of a struggle, you can have peace instead of despair. Look, the choice, the choice is, is ours. We can look to God for peace and hope, or we can let despair overwhelm us. We can allow despair to overtake us. I just want to remind you today that Jesus came to dispel darkness. And maybe you're facing a problem that is casting this deep shadow in your life. Deep darkness in your mind and in your heart. Jesus came to dispel it. 
But first, you've got to turn away from your sin. You've got to do that. You've got to turn away from your sin. Not on your own strength, but just make the decision, God, I, I can't. I keep messing up my life. I keep painting myself into a corner of darkness and despair. I wake up and I've got all kinds of negative thoughts going through me. I, I, I can't pick myself up. I need you today. Just confess your need of God. Confess your sin. Ask God to forgive you. Trust Him for your salvation. Place your trust in Him completely. Because He came to save you, to be your Savior. So you might have hope. So you might have peace and joy. That's what Isaiah 9 is about. And that, my friends, is what Christmas is all about.